0: And it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Highly recommended by me and everybody else here at the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Hello, wrestling fans, and welcome to the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Nate and Aaron are here with you. Kyle is uh, kyle has got the, little, uh, the bubble guts or whatever. Eight. So he won't be joining us on this, this week's show. But uh, we're going to start out this week. Um, a couple of things I wanted to bring up and discuss. We were talking about this uh, off-air last night, early today, whatever, through text messaging. Uh, the WWE Extreme Rules pay-per-view, not terrible.
1: I thought it was a decent show. Yeah, It, it was a good wrestling show. And honestly, I had kind of been out of the loop of some of the current product. And when I watched this show, I was pleasantly surprised that it was like they allowed heels to go over and they continued to tell stories. Do you know what I'm saying? Like like the Bludgeon Brothers winning. I'm not saying that the Bludgeon Brothers are going to win if... Kane had him been hurt because from what I understand Kane's foot was a legit deal mm-hmm. but them winning was a good surprise to me Carmella winning her match was a good surprise to me you know? well
0: see but that one oh, well hold on I'll go back to that but like I said earlier off air like, the WWE pay-per-views are generally always really good wrestling shows. Um, it's just, this is the weirdest, to me, this is the weirdest era in wrestling. Because you almost have, honestly, the most talented bell-to-bell in-ring performers ever. And that's not hating on the previous generation that we like more, just because we ha- that's that's what we experienced and grew up on and everything. But... I mean these these guys and girls go out and have spectacular matches and they do great things and they they can entertain you from bell to bell. None of it is their fault and the stories the stories on the on the shows or not even all the stories on the shows but the shows in and of themselves are so homogenized and so lame and and you know sometimes a, a Vince McMahon vanity project or sometimes just terrible comedy or whatever and you, you lose the sight of the fact of how good this roster is and, and what amazing wrestling shows they can put on. Yeah. See,
1: like, watching it, I know you said you wanted to go back to it, but James Ellsworth trying to get out of the shark cage. And then this little bandana catching him, yeah, and hanging him upside down. That shit caught me. That shit was funny.
0: It was funny. I I am not, I am not a fan of uh, at all in any way, shape, or form. I am not a fan of the way Asuka's been used since she's come to the main roster. I think they've completely wasted her, and I think they've actually, I think they've ruined her. But, um, I it, to me two paper okay that was actually the only match on the show where the finish and everything disappointed me. And it was the same as money in the bank. Oscar looks like a complete fucking idiot in this feud. Like both at money in the bank and at this show, she stood there and looked at James Ellsworth, like an idiot. Like that is so against character. And I, but she's wasted. She might as well just leave. Like I, they beat her at WrestleMania and now Carmella's beat her twice because apparently Asuka's dumb, which is the, the, to me, that's the only way to explain if they're going to explain this. Like at money in the bank, Ellsworth shows up in that outfit and okay, sure. Maybe she looks at it for a minute and goes, what the fuck? But she stood there for what seemed like over a minute, just looking at him. Like a moron, and she kind of did the same thing. Yes, last night she was looking, just looking at him hanging from the cage or whatever. For, <laughs> and I don't know if Carmela's timing was off or what, but I think they they've trashed Oscar since she's come to the main roster. Oh,
1: maybe. But if I saw a chinless guy <laughs> in a big hoodie and wearing a bunch of bandanas hanging upside down from a cart from a shirt cage. I, I might stare at her for a minute too, and be like, "What the fuck <laughs> is it going on?" But I, 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 I think they're just—I think they're building to her beating the fuck out of both of them at SummerSlam and winning the title.
0: The the two things that stood out to me, other than that, other than um, being a really good show, actually, were first of all. I mean, how desensitized are we as wrestling fans when Kevin Owens' bump got, like, just a medium pop? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I was watching that, and I was like, man, like, God bless that guy. That was an amazing bump, and it got, like, the same pop that a attitude adjustment would get, you
1: know? And, yeah, and it also, like, at the beginning of the show when they were talking them, like about the commentators usually when they run through the the foreign people that they have or whatever yeah they're up, like sitting in the rafters like when they show Sean Dang <laughs> and the like the Japanese Russian guy or not the Japanese yeah the Japanese Russian guy yeah. when they showed them they're all up there they were all at ringside i was like why are they all out there and I think that's the reason why. Probably, is because they were like, if Kevin misses this table, more than likely he'll hit this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Instead of putting one table out there for Raw, one table out there for SmackDown, or just one table in general, like, hey, let's put three out there in case Kevin overshoots. He's gonna hit this one,
0: right? And then the other thing, I thought the Iron Man match was fantastic. Oh it
1: was. It was great. Um but I'm face- really I'm really glad they put it on last. Uh, and from what I understand Vince wasn't in the building.
0: Really? Yeah. For the like, show that or for was- that
1: match. The entire show. Oh. Wow. From from what I've read, tr- Vince wasn't there and it was Huntman running it. Never
0: heard that happen before.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Other than, you know, when Vince popped both his quads or whatever
1: in the building when he did that.
0: No, I mean the like the <laughs> night after. Yeah, but
1: but so that's why fucking Roman Reigns wasn't on. Roman Reigns and Bobby Lashley in a main event tomorrow or not tomorrow next week on Raw to find out who fight fucking Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam. <laughs> and Bobby Lashley beating Roman Reigns obviously on the pay per view means that fucking Roman Reigns is. Beat Bobby Lashley on Raw, and then they're gonna try to go back to, and they're gonna try to fucking Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns on last SummerSlam again. <laughs> and on Raw, every time they brought up Brock Lesnar's name, and this is why it's gonna go even more south for him. On Raw tonight, I only watched the first hour of it. Mm-hmm. Paul Heyman came out, they fucking booed him. And when he said that Brock Lesnar wants the when he's this is this is the angle they, they're doing. Brock Lesnar Paul Heyman is saying that Brock Lesnar wants to go into the UFC as the WWE champ universal champion with the belt around his waist and defeat the UFC champion and become a dual champion representing the WWE. That's what Paul Heyman's saying, okay? Mm -hmm. Every time – like when he came out and said that Brock Lesnar is not going to relinquish the WWE championship because all of these people want Brock Lesnar to be the WWE champion, they fucking booed. Well, of course they did.
0: And that's like you said, that's gonna make the match at SummerSlam even more of an abortion. How about we take the guy that people are now resenting for not being around? See people didn't resent Brock for not being around when he didn't have the title. But now the the guy that people are resenting for not being around and the guy that people don't like anyway, and let's throw him in the middle of the ring in Brooklyn and see how that works out as our main event. <laughs> you know, if you did that if you did that in Boise, you might have a different reaction but Brooklyn, yeah, not so much. Not going to play
1: well in Brooklyn, I don't think. People don't want that shit. Nope. <laughs> and when Kurt was talking about, like, like Polly was like, you got to find the guy that's going to fight Rock. And i not saying that he's been handled the greatest way in the world. Bobby Lashley came out, and they actually cheered. Yeah. They were into it. And... They brought all kinds of people oh, out. Bobby they brought Lashley. out Bobby Lashley. They brought out fucking Elias. They brought out all kinds of people because they did they're, they're, They did like two three-way matches on Raw. This guy, this guy, and this guy, and then this guy, this guy, and this guy, and whoever wins out of both of them are going to fight on Raw next week. They popped huge Bobby for Lashley. Bobby Lashley.
0: Bobby Lashley's right. to me, Bobby Lashley's talent is enough to carry him past a shitty feud with Sami Zayn, because him and Roman had a, actually had a really good match last night. Yeah. Um. Uh. But so I mean, he's not unsalvageable. Um. The feud, I think, the feud with Sami Zayn was just. I think that they. <laughs> I really, honestly, like my my sixth sense about it is. All right, they were like, "We got Bobby Lashley. We're gonna debut Bobby Lashley right after WrestleMania." Then they were like, "Fuck, we should have held off." <laughs> so they just threw him into something, and yeah, just that that first initial feud with Zayn didn't work out because it was written poorly. They had they had a good match, but they're
1: yeah, but but they, but but they, yeah, didn't, they, have, they didn't on have, on, Raw, on Raw. Sorry, go ahead.
0: They didn't have great chemistry. Was their problem?
1: On Raw, they popped, like, out of all the guys that came out, they popped big for Bobby Lashley, Drew McIntyre, Finn Balor, and Seth Rollins.
0: Yeah.
1: On Raw tonight, that's who they popped big for. I mean... And, And everything, like, I've thought this for the longest time, everything they're doing with Roman Reigns, like, trying to get this guy over is a big face, which they're kind of scaling back on it now. Yeah. Honestly, they've been having them act a little more heelish, which is not going to work anymore because they're done with the motherfucker. But every ounce of whatever, whatever they put into Roman Reigns is what they should have been putting into Seth Rollins. Yeah. From the beginning.
0: So, the next thing, what do you think, and I'll give my feelings on it about Hulk Hogan being welcomed back into the fold?
1: he shouldn't never been kicked out you're right I know I'm right i uh, there's why I wouldn't have said it
0: you know there's a there's a of course there's a there's a because we well first of all because we live in 2018. And you're 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 not allowed to make a mistake in your life, um, but
1: I'm there, not there, saying he should have there, just been like featured on television, and this never happened. But he should have never there's been a, like there's a back- put on an there's, island.
0: There's a backlash from internet dweebs about this, and and I want to I want to make my statement on it, and then you can see what you agree with and what you don't. But I like you said, I don't. First of all, I don't think he ever should have been taken out of the Hall of Fame. Um, frankly, I think that to distance themselves from him for a little bit was probably a good idea just in case there was any legal action or because he was going through that lawsuit or all that, and that's fine. But first things first, the announcement apparently was made in the locker room. He addressed the locker room. Everybody in the locker room especially those of color, like a Booker T or somebody like that, accepted his apology. And secondly, like I said, when the whole thing started, I would love someone who's sitting on their high horse about this whole situation to seriously look at me. I I wish that... if they had the chance to disintegrate <laughs> upon saying it and tell me straight to my face that in private, when they in private, they have never done anything or said anything that was wrong or would have offended someone, period. You know what I mean? Like yeah. like if, if if every if if you if you were to be if you were to be ostracized from your profession and your career and your job because you said something that was maybe offensive to someone or or some kind of a slur to someone, whether it be race or religion or or just class, just your station in life. You know, people make fun of white trash all the time. If you I
1: make fun of white trash I, people and so every do I. single
0: day. I, I do too, and so do I. And what I'm saying is would it be fair for you to say something in private to me, say about some white trash person, and because of that your your company's like, "You know what, go away and never come back if if what I'm saying is if that standard applied to everyone, then no one would have a job,
1: and then we'd all be white trash. <laughs> I like it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so before we went on the air today just as a little I guess substitute for Kyle's pay-per-view review by the way I have uh, Slamboree 1996 and Aaron got lucky enough to get Extreme Rules 2013 yeah so we're sticking with the Extreme Rules theme there but um, you wanted to discuss maybe five people that you think um, didn't get didn't get used properly or didn't get what was the
1: like they should have been it, they should deal. have been a bigger deal than what they were in the situation they were in
0: I didn't write anything down but I can totally I can totally freestyle this one okay
1: well let's take a break first and then let's do that
0: alright we will take a quick break we'll come back with more of the We Can't Wrestle podcast and we'll uh, discuss that topic here un momento we'll be right back okay. back to the we can't wrestle podcast here on Podbean, itunes stitcher wherever you can get your favorite podcasts and uh, just a reminder if you uh, are listening on google play or itunes give us a five star rating leave comments hopefully positive comments about the show that helps out the show and helps our exposure so anyways now we're going to discuss um some guys that we both think should have been a bigger deal in pro wrestling. Um, well, like Aaron said, whether it was the circumstances or the time frame or whatever, it just didn't work out for these guys. So who's, uh, who's the first one you got?
1: Chris Candido.
0: Chris Candido. Well, he was subject to the clicks abuse.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I think what honestly hurt Chris Candido was timing. Like
0: dying didn't help. Yeah, I mean, and I'm not I'm not even saying that. To, I mean, it sounded like a smark remark and or smarky remark, but it, it probably was. But I'm saying that because I think that I agree with you. And to be honest, I think that the way his sonny tra- hurt him the most yeah and I, but i think I, the reason i said dying didn't help as cold as that sounded was i think by what he was doing in tna i really do think that within a couple of years of that he probably would have wound up back in wwe and uh-huh. he, he'd probably be one of those guys that's you know what i mean that's with wwe now that maybe is like a dustin or somebody like that that maybe could have made an impact in a later storyline or something to that effect. And he was young enough because he got started young enough where he still had a lot of years ahead of him.
1: Yeah. I just, I, I think the guy had the wrong relationship. Like his significant other overshadowed him. And if he would have been a foot taller per se, he would have been a bigger deal than what he was. Like, if that guy would have been a foot or a foot and a half taller, he's the stereotypical what a wrestler is supposed to look like.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, that guy honestly got so muscular and so big that he flexed and ripped his fucking bicep. That's mm-hmm. how fucking in shape the motherfucker was. I don't know that sounds silly, but that's how ripped the guy was. You know what I
0: mean? No, oh, yeah, he was in fantastic shape.
1: And... He had a shitty gimmick. That gimmick was terrible. For a guy. For somebody like Sonny, it's the greatest gimmick in the world. You're going to put her in a fucking leotard and put her out there. People are going to cheer for it.
0: Or somebody that is never... Okay. And I'm not hating. Maybe I am hating. I don't know. But um, a guy like Mike Bucci. um, Simon, Simon Dean Nova... That guy was never, honestly. Good. And he was never going to rise above the position. I mean, he was funny. I thought that Simon Dean gimmick was funny, and he did some funny shit. But he was never going to rise above that position. You know, he wasn't a good enough athlete, a good enough wrestler between the bell, between the ropes, my opinion, that he was ever going to rise above that position. So a gimmick like that for a guy like that is fine. But for somebody with the talent of Chris Candido, because that fuck could go, was, uh, yeah, it was, and I mean, he landed in WWE at the wrong time because they were still in that Isaac Yankum era yeah. of the gimmicks.
1: Like, I honestly think that if Chris Candido would have not signed that contract and gone there in 90 and waited maybe three years later,
0: mm-hmm.
1: he'd be a bigger deal than he was. Yeah. Because he could talk He could work He, he He's I, And I almost I almost said he was like an Eddie Gilbert And Eddie Gilbert is somebody that I could put on my list But I didn't But he could have been so much more than what he was
0: The First one on my list is actually a twofer A twofer I got two birds, one stone here because I I look at them the same way as a tag team, and then once the tag team was separated as single stars, and that's Warlord and Barbarian, the Powers of Pain.
1: You I know, see Barbarian.
0: I I think I think that I think that Warlord could have been. A great monster heel feud for Hulk Hogan. I'm not saying Warlord should have been the champion. I think that something that hurt that guy because I and I know I know he wasn't uh, he wasn't a, a masterpiece in the ring, but neither was Andre the giant, neither was the earthquake, but they they had something going for them and I think that he had a look and a presence about him. That he, I think the the first two things or the two things that hurt him were first of all he was a big man in a land of big men. So, although he was impressive, he didn't, I guess, stand out the way he could have. And then secondly, although I loved him as a manager, I think it was a mistake to put Barbarian's character with Slick's character. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, they, Where didn't, did they, they t- didn't fit together.
1: That's what I'm saying. Where did they meet?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, Warlord Agent's walking down the, the mean streets of Detroit. <laughs> dressed like that.
0: Like, Warlord almost... <sighs> okay. <laughs> Do you want to hear
1: something funny about Slick, though?
0: Oh, there's lots funny about Slick.
1: I know, but this is really funny. Bobby Heenan was on a primetime wrestling I was watching, and he was talking into a banana phone mm. because his phone broke, and Gorilla Monsoon was like, I got a gift, and he gave him the gift, and it was a banana phone <laughs> uh, because the gorilla's giving him a banana phone. You know, Well, come back from break, and they have been talking about some shit before, but Bobby's talking to the banana phone. To one of the runners of Primetime Wrestling, mm-hmm. And he goes. You'll know when he shows up. He's wearing. He, he's driving a cherry red El Camino. It's gonna have fur seats and a pair of dice hanging from the rearview mirror. And Gorilla soon goes. Oh well, that has gotta be Slick's car. <laughs> got it. That shit shit cracked me up.
0: (laughs) Who was the next guy you were thinking of?
1: Brady Boone. Brady Boone. He played Battle Cat. Yeah. And he was a jobber in the 80s. And if you watch that guy, like, if he would have been probably three years later, he I don't, I don't know. I think that Brady Boone was like totally ahead of like totally ahead of his time. Yeah, that dude was built like a shit brick house. It's kind of like Chris Candido. He's built like a shit brick house. He's muscular. He's defined. He's he looks like what a wrestler is supposed to look like, but he's too compact. Mm-hmm. You know, like this guy was working a style like nobody else was doing. But he was only like five ten, so he got overshadowed. Like if he would have been in a different era, Brady Boone would be a bigger deal than what he is now.
0: Well you know, to be honest, that if it wouldn't have been for if it wouldn't have been for the Monday Night Wars and I know I know we don't talk about him a lot because he was a son of a bitch but If it would have been for the Monday Night Wars that would have happened to Chris Benoit Crap. Yeah. Chris Benoit would have stayed in Japan and just been Pegasus over in Japan he never he never would have he never would have made he he might have been an ECW but I just don't think that w- without the Monday Night Wars and those two companies trying to get to grab up talent like they were and you know what I mean I don't think I don't think Chris Benoit or Dean Malenko happen. On the big stage, and that's not knocking their talent at all. But if the Monday Night Wars don't happen, I don't think those two ever come above being in like, like I said, being an international star like in Japan, Germany, and all that, and then maybe work in ECW. Well,
1: I agree, and I think Brady Boone is probably like the second best jobber ever. He might be the first best job. because he would have great matches with everybody.
0: Right behind the late, great Israel Mata, right? (laughs) No. (laughs) I don't even know if the guy's dead.
1: (laughs) I think the greatest jobber ever is leaping Lenny Poffo.
0: I think the greatest jobber ever is George South. George South is like... George South is... And the reason I say that is George South... (laughs) <laughs> could have, like, the kind of match with Tully Blanchard that Barry Windham could have with Tully Blanchard. <laughs> but it would be a jobber match. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's how Brady Boone was, man. You watch that dude, he was phenomenal.
0: Me, <laughs> yeah, have always said that about George South. Like, that dude could fucking go, but he never won. <laughs>
1: And that's what I love about a good jobber is you watch the match and you're like, oh, oh maybe, maybe, oh, no. <laughs> the next guy
0: that I'm thinking of is kind of a blip on the radar in the history of wrestling. But his, whatever, six months or whatever in the business, I love watching him perform. And I think he could have been a staple.
1: It's not Scott Putsky, is it? No,
0: no. I think he could have been a staple and the guy I'm thinking of is Blitzkrieg.
1: I remember that guy.
0: Yeah, WCW cruiserweight guy.
1: Yeah. He was alright. I don't know what happened to him though.
0: He um he got discouraged with apparently and I just I'm just saying this from his Wikipedia page. But apparently Was he, was he
1: an Al Perez? Did he think he was, what no, he was no no no
0: no 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 he got he got he just got discouraged with what was going on and went to the indie scene for a while and didn't get picked up by WWE after the the everything went down and just kind of retired from the business and never stopped wrestling, just stopped
1: wrestling. Yeah um, he runs an Aldi's <laughs>
0: Now he's the associate manager of produce for Aldi's, yes, in uh, Dotham, Alabama, and he was good a white—he was a white dude too. Wasn't even an actual Hispanic luchador, but I thought—I mean, I thought his moveset was good. He was really quick. He was almost like—he was almost like early Ray Mysterio, but I don't know. He just kind of went by the wayside, and and I, I think he just kind of got lost in the shuffle. And, you know, I could be completely wrong. Maybe he wasn't as good as I thought he was, and that's why he got lost in the shuffle. But I think it was just because he came in WCW in 99, and, well, you know how that goes.
1: I, I didn't even think about the guy, but I remember him now. It was like a black silver and ripped it up or something, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, he he kind of had like um early Ray Myster- oh. Ray Mysterio build. An Ultimo Dragon kind of mask. And, I mean, he was just real real small and real fast. I mean, real fast. And, yeah, I liked the guy. I, Looked like he like was said, in I don't, his jammies. I don't, I, don't, I don't know much of his story or anything. I just know that that little blip on the radar that he existed in wrestling, I was like, this dude's fucking cool. <laughs> Who's next?
1: Um, Chavo Guerrero. Senior or Junior. <laughs> Junior
0: Hey, no and hate I, on, no hate on some Chavo classic.
1: I just think that what Chavo suffered from was business at the same pity.
0: Yeah, and then after Eddie passed his whole career became about being Well
1: that's what I'm saying, like Chavo Guerrero Junior It's a fucking talent. Absolutely. That kid has charisma. He's really good in the ring. He can talk. He can... I mean... He went out there with a stick horse... And got a stick horse over. (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like... He could take chicken shit... And make it chicken salad... But I I think the main reason the guy got overlooked was because he was doing it at the same time that Eddie was around. Mm -hmm. So he was just the secondary Guerrero in the situation. And I'm not saying it was good or bad or whatever. I just think that when you're featured with somebody like Eddie Guerrero, obviously – you're not going to get as over as that guy because right. Eddie Guerrero is probably the third greatest talent to ever walk the fucking planet. So what do you do against that? You're, you're always going to be in the shadow of it. If he would have been not two years younger but the ten years younger than Eddie Guerrero, we'd be probably talking about a different Chava Guerrero. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um
0: I also would say uh, I may have been I may have been his only mark, I don't know. But um I I would also bring up Sean O'Hare. I liked Sean would O'Hare. Have, would like, have
1: been a big star if he wouldn't have died. Yeah. <laughs> I I, I don't know.
0: <laughs> I um I think out of all that WCW power plant stuff that all those guys that came in 2000 when they just when they just infused the roster you know I understand a youth movement but I think that was another problem with WCW 2000 was you had a company that for X amount of years, and and I know that politics played a role, and I know that that what was going on behind the scenes played the role about all the all the the established stars disappearing and everything. I get it, but beside the point though, I think it's another thing that killed WCW was you, they literally within like two months, almost turned the entire roster, and essentially introduced wrestlers that no one ever heard of. And that's something you do normally in wrestling over like a four to five year period, you know what I mean? With the yeah. with the older guys putting the newer guys over. And out of all that all those guys they just threw at everybody out of the WCW power plant, I think he was the best one. I think I think that Mike Sanders was the best mouthed.
1: I was gonna say I think Mike Sanders was but the best.
0: I I think I, I wasn't I wasn't a huge fan of Sanders. In the ring, I guess. He was he was pretty basic to me. Like, I don't know. He just seemed like your basic indie wrestler in the ring. But on the mic, absolutely. That dude had mad mic skills. He was funny as fuck. Cut, cut a great promo. Um, and he almost, to me, Mike Sanders, I know you like him in the ring more than I do. But to me, Mike Sanders almost, his career probably would have been better had he gone the commentator or manager route.
1: And I was a bigger fan when you talk about like all those guys. I actually enjoyed um better. Yeah.
0: And I don't hate my Mark Jindrak. I just liked O'Hare. I just happen to like O'Hare better. But
1: like if I think you could it taken... I think
0: we can all agree Reno was the worst. Who? Reno.
1: Uh <laughs> If you go taking Mike Sanders' personality and Mark Gentrac's athletic ability and look and combined them, Mark, Mark, that that that's what a professional wrestler is supposed to be.
0: Mark Gentrac's a big deal in Mexico to this day.
1: Marco Corleone or whatever his name is, yeah,
0: he's a big deal in Mexico. that dude got down there and he was like, you know what? I'm staying here. <laughs>
1: going bang me some mamacitas <laughs> and drink some margaritas.
0: Yeah, he's still a big deal. I think he, I think he's in CMLL now.
1: But <laughs> I watched a documentary on Netflix. It was a Mexican wrestling deal. Did you ever watch one? Did you ever watch that? Mm-mm. It's pretty crazy though, because like Paraguay in it, and all these other Mexican guys, and like by the end of it, like four of them are dead. And you're like, oh my goodness,
0: Irma Gurd,
1: Irma But anyway,
0: wrestling with El Shadows is what it's called, I think.
1: <laughs> all right,
0: what's who's next?
1: What's what's who's next? What's who's next? What do that could. What do that could? It is Vader in the WWF. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I don't think we'd have to, like, spawn too much on that, because I think we've talked about it before, but that should have been a bigger deal.
0: Vader, Uh, and, I mean, if if you listen to anybody that was in the know at the time, you realize that that was essentially Vince McMahon's fault, because Vince McMahon didn't understand Vader. And then by the time Vince McMahon did understand Vader, he had not understood Vader so long that Vader was Ill effect- was not effective in his role.
1: Like, Vader should have went into that Royal Rumble and eliminated everybody. But instead, Shawn Michaels, who weighed 127 pounds... Went out there and eliminated Yokozuna and Vader at the same fucking time.
0: Well, as much as I, as much as Shawn Michaels is my favorite wrestler of all time, you remember when we talked
1: it's about the dumbest th- spot ever in a Royal Rumble, other than Macho Man trying to pin Yokozuna.
0: Yeah, when when we when we talked about the best WWE champions ever, the greatest. I didn't have Shawn on my list, and I said the reasons for that and everything. He is my favorite wrestler. That being said. Vader, when it ended for Vader in WWF, was SummerSlam 96. Vader should have beaten Shawn Michaels at SummerSlam 96 and won the title. That's what should have happened. And it didn't. And we all know what happened, and it is what it is. But after that, he was just another face on the roster. So that match, yeah. to me, that match right there, I mean, the Rumble, yes, you're right about that. But to me, you could have recouped from that over the summer. And to me, Vader not beating Sean at SummerSlam 96 was the end for Vader in the WWF. Even though he was there another two years, that was the end. I mean, it's, you know, he was going to be a face on the show, and that was it. Between, I agree. Between Hulk Hogan and Shawn Michaels, they killed Vader.
1: And that's the only thing they ever did cooperative ever. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> um, the last guy that I'm thinking of right now, that I think should have been a bigger deal, and I I don't know why. I, I mean, I guess I've never researched it or anything. I I don't know. It was uh, MVP?
1: I don't really know why he wasn't a bigger deal either. I don't know if he had like a bad attitude. Yeah, that's what or something
0: I've. Ne- I guess I've never looked into it or what the story was with him in the WWE. But you know, after after uh, after his his run with, I, I, think, I think like the last the last thing that they did, he was there for a couple of years after. But I think the last thing they did with MVP that was like a big deal, or that they treated as a big deal, was his feud with Matt Hardy. And then after that, he just kind of was just there. Yeah, because that was
1: a Vander Holyfield.
0: Yeah, well, and they feuded for like months. I mean, they feuded for like almost a year, and it was a great feud for the U.S. title and everything. And so it might
1: it might have been his barbarian esque entrance at WrestleMania, <laughs> maybe, where he came out and nobody reacted to him until they remembered that he was fighting Chris Benoit. <laughs> And they were like, "Oh yeah, he's fighting Chris Benoit." Like yeah. you came out and you heard the guy go, "Yeah, yeah, 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 let's <laughs> do it!" Yeah, and he was like happy, and his pyro was going off, and nobody was reacting.
0: <laughs> but yeah, I don't, I know, I don't understand what happened with MVP, but it didn't happen. <laughs> you got another one.
1: Last one on my list. All right. And I know why it didn't work, but I think it's idiocracy and is the reason the guy, in my opinion, that I, not the guy I'm talking about, but the guy that made the decision shows to me that he's not as great of a mind in wrestling as everybody says he is. And it's Jake the Snake Roberts in WCW, Bill Watts. Yes, Jake Roberts going to WCW should have been, in my opinion, bigger than fucking Hulk Hogan going over there.
0: Right, I mean, you have, at the time, you have what would be defined by most people in that era of wrestling as the perfect babyface in Sting. Sting is for wrestling fans that are new to the sport late 80s and early to mid 90s sting was the what a what a baby face at that time should have been
1: it was the ultimate warrior with ability okay. and able was, to
0: speak yeah it was ultimate warrior with wrestling ability and a a business IQ a, a, and a business and a work ethic like hulk hogan and then oh. you
1: take a Jake the Snake Roberts. Okay. Who, in my opinion, at that fucking time, was the only guy that could possibly replace Ric Flair. Yeah. He's the only guy. Like, because they already had they already had Rude. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it, if Rude would have came in after Flair left or whatever, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, they already had Rick, Rude, so Rude couldn't be the guy. Jake the Snake Roberts should have been the guy that they said, hey, we lost Rick Flair, we don't have him anymore. Now we have the second best heel in the currently in the business at our disposal. Who gives a fuck if he doesn't look in shape? He can top people into a fucking building. Right. He's come off one of the best angles in the history of professional wrestling.
0: And you're willing to That's, put the fucking awesome Kongs on TV.
1: Yeah, so. <laughs> let's utilize this motherfucker. Yeah.
0: Definitely a miss on their part. He's another guy. He's another guy that... Because that, I, I I've been watching early mid-Atlantic wrestling, and Jake Roberts is in mid-Atlantic wrestling. And granted, at that time, he's kind of building himself as a wrestler. But you can see flashes of brilliance, and you can also see that the Crockett's aren't using him properly. And then he leaves WWF in 92, and the WCW doesn't use him properly and and then after that, it's all about his problems. That's why he... But I, I guess I'm, the point I'm getting to is I think Jake is like Bret Hart. Like, his whole career, nobody knew how to use him other than Vince McMahon. Yeah. You know, Vince McMahon knew that as a heel, Jake Roberts was perfect for being in psychological feuds where his promos were going to talk people into seats. And then he also knew that as a babyface from his wrestling ability and his psychology. He, he, he
1: knew, holy shit, I can't get this guy over Hogan. And he's probably going to wind up over Hogan. You know. He,
0: he also, that's what I was about to say, he knew that he was like, you know what? This guy needs to be the guy that people wrestle before they wrestle Hogan.
1: Yeah, so, cuz from what I understand, he tried to have him wrestle Hogan. Oh yeah, and, and, and that crowd was like, "We
0: really like this guy yeah, better." Jake, Jake says on his pay, on his DVD that he came back before the or he came they came back after that match and Hogan looked at him and said, "Sorry, brother." Yeah. <laughs> like, you got no luck, dude. <laughs> Vince ain't gonna And then Vince told him the same thing, "Look, I can't have you going out there and people cheering you over Hogan." So, that was what made Vince decide to turn him babyface. And he essentially became, you know, before, until the Warrior came around, he became the number two babyface. And he was always the top babyface on the undercard. Or not undercard, midcard. So.
1: And I think he, I, I honestly think that WCW should the bed on not keeping that guy. And not yeah. using him right. Yeah. I, I know the fucking spin the wheel, make the deal video was hokey or whatever. But well, no. Jake could have been Jake could have been so much bigger for WCW at that time.
0: Then they squandered it. Alright. Because... Alright.
1: Well I guess we will right. we'll take a break. Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first with these pay per views? Mine's gonna be quick, man, because it sucked.
0: <laughs> All right, well, we'll get yours out of the way first. Sounds like an engine, right And then uh, we'll talk about mine, which, to be honest, wasn't exactly a walk in the park either. But we'll uh, we'll take a break. We'll come right back with more of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Stay tuned, wrestling fans. Fans, welcome back to the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Nate and Aaron are here with you, the best brother tag team since the Steiner brothers. If I do say so myself, I agree. They call me Big Papa Plump, <laughs> but anyways, um, now we are on to pay per view reviews this time around, and um, so if
1: you're Big Papa Plump, that means I'm Scotts. St- I'm Rick Steiner. <laughs> yes. Yeah? I
0: guess so. Sorry. (laughs) That's okay. Aaron kind of, I guess, drew the short straw this time around. As he received WWE Extreme Rules 2013.
1: Oh my god. Um.
0: Kyle received Fall Brawl 98, which also would have been torture, but he's not here. Mitch, maybe watching Fall Brawl 98 is why he's under the weather. I don't That's know. It's what gave him AIDS. Because <laughs> uh, that has the classic uh, war games with the Ultimate Warrior involved in it. Um, and I received WCW Slamboree 1996, which, like I said, also was not a walk in the park. But let's go to your pay-per-view first, Aaron, Extreme Rules 2013.
1: Five okay. Ago. It was May nineteenth, two thousand thirteen, in Saint Louis, Missouri. There was fourteen thousand five hundred people watching this thing. The pre-show was a face Miz. A which, face? Why would you ever try to do that? Miz is a baby face. Should never happen. The Miz is one of the most and, and I know I don't say this about a lot of current products or whatever is one of the best of all time in my opinion. Like I would put Miz in my, tw- in my top 20 performers ever. Smack me if you want. But I like me some Miz but I like me some heel Miz. Mm-hmm. I think that guy's great. He's fantastic.
0: You know what he's going to be when he's old? He's going to be the guy that wrestled most of his career as a heel. but He's going to be like the honky-tonk man. Not like his career, but I'm saying like he's going to be the guy that wrestled most of his career as a heel. But when he comes out on the indie scene and stuff, he's going to be a babyface. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's going to come out on some indie show and do Miz TV and dog the local heels. <laughs> Like he wrestled his most of his career as a heel, but now that he's old, he's a babyface.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, and now Holly Chop Man looks like he's Matt Hardy's dad. <laughs> they have the same haircut. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> but anyway, on the pre-show of this match or this pay-per-view, I'm woken. It was Susie. Sorry. <laughs> It was The Miz versus Cody Rhodes. And I couldn't watch this on the network because the network doesn't put on pre-shows. So I looked it up on YouTube and watched the match. And it was a decent match. Mm-hmm. And The Miz defeats Cody Rhodes with a figure four leg lock. And um what I gathered from this match was a few things. Was... um Smoke and Mirrors, the entrance theme for Cody Rhodes. It's cool as fuck. Has. I shouldn't say has. Should have been. We had a um, podcast before where we were talking about themes. Mm -hmm. Like, that should have been on my list. Your Only Smoke and Mirrors is a fantastic fucking theme song. It is. It is fucking awesome. And, um... The other comment I had on my list is, or on this paper that I wrote, is who the fuck is Tony Dawson? I don't remember fucking Tony Dawson. I don't either. <laughs> he was a commentator. He's out there with Josh Matthews. It's Josh Matthews and Tony Dawson calling this match. Don't remember that motherfucker. He's he's and he, he works. Huh? With,
0: he works with Mark Lloyd somewhere now.
1: Yeah, probably at fucking Fye. <laughs>
0: Bobble so, Bobbleheads and Pops, Funko
1: Pops. Yeah, <laughs> Funko Pops and Japanese candy. <laughs> but this Tony Dawson fuck is also out there with Josh Matthews, and I've watched a little bit of Impact before I had to not watch it anymore. And the question I have about Josh Matthews is this. There's been commentators that have started, and when they started, they weren't good. Okay, Mm -hmm. like a Tom Phillips or a um, early Joey Styles when he started with ECW, or a very early
0: Michael huh Michael Cole,
1: a very early Michael Cole, and. As they've gone into their career, what have they done?
0: They progressively get better.
1: They've progressively gotten better. Well, Josh Matthews has gotten worse. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that guy and his career was so good in the WWE as a commentator, and now it's fucking abysmal
0: he's garbage
1: (laughs) yeah he's got a hot wife good for him but you suck at your job Josh Matthews I know you're not listening but you suck and at the end of this match it is the Miz defeating Cody Rhodes and he beats him with a figure four leg lock and for however much I love the Miz I am glad he doesn't use the figure four leg lock anymore because he puts on a horrible figure four leg lock. It's terrible. It's terrible. As Charles would say, it's terrible. terrible. So that's how the pre show ends. And then we roll into the main show. And we open up. It's Extreme Rules, yada, yada, yada. Terrible video package because it's hype and a terrible fucking double main event which is John Cena and Ryback in a Last Man Standing match and also um, Triple H and Brock Lesnar and Steel Cage and the opening match is Chris Jericho versus Fandango <laughs> and the reason for this match is that Fandango beat Chris Jericho at Wrestlemania that year did I say Chris Jericho beat Fandango I'm sorry Fandango beat Chris Jericho at WrestleMania. Yes, and and then and Fandangoing
0: um, was all the rage at this
1: time. Yes, and then on a follow-up Raw, they did a um, Dancing with the Stars takeoff, and Summer Ray, who is fantastic. <laughs> Just gonna put that out there. She's amazing. Acted like she twisted her ankle and fell down, and Chris Jericho was worried about that. And then Fandango ripped up part of the dance floor and hit Chris Jericho in the head with it. (laughs) And then she stood up and she was like, "Ha! I was faking it." And Fandango and um, Summer Rae proceeded to dance, and they were happy that happened on a Raw. So now we lead into this match, and it's Jericho versus Fandango. And in my opinion, and Nate knows this, I think the guy that plays Fandango is Johnny. Well, I don't think he is. His name is Johnny Curtis, and I think the Fandango gimmick is underrated, and I think the guy, Johnny Curtis, is an underrated wrestler. I enjoy Johnny Curtis's work. And during this match, fans are into all of it. They did Fandango, they did Chris Jericho, and they have a really solid match, and Fandango keeps up with Chris Jericho, which should be a compliment to him.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: But Jericho beats Fandango when Fandango tries to jump off the top rope with his leg drop, and Jericho catches him into a midair codebreaker and I would give this match three stars. I thought it was really good. All right. All right, the next match is Dean Ambrose, and he's with The Shield. There's really no no story that I know of going into this match because the WWE didn't give me a video on the pay-per-view going into it, so it's Dean Ambrose versus Kofi Kingston. Kingston's the United States champion, and Dean Ambrose... Is Victoria over Kofi Kingston with an inverted DDT
0: which this should two. be I think this is where Ambrose began his long reign as United States champion
1: well it would be where he began his long reign because. well
0: what I'm saying is I don't think he lost it and then began his long reign later I think
1: this is the match that
0: began his long reign
1: And it was a very basic match. Nothing special. Two stars. And now we're going to go into Sheamus versus Mark Henry in a strap match. I
0: like watching
1: Sheamus wrestle Mark Henry. Huh?
0: I like watching Sheamus wrestle Mark Henry.
1: I do too. And going into this match, Mark Henry apparently showed his strength by pulling two tractor trailers or whatever like oh this is how strong i am it's not going to be able to and um seamus so, in like embarrassed mark henry because they were going to do a tug war, and then he let go of the rope and let mark henry fall on his ass and then they were going to do a arm wrestling competition and um when they were getting ready to do the arm wrestling competition, Sheamus asked Mark Henry, are you ready? And Mark Henry was like, yeah. And then Sheamus punched him. But Sheamus is supposed to be the face. <laughs> but everything I'm watching on this fucking video package they're showing me is that Sheamus is the asshole in this situation. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Mark Henry just pulled drags up a hill and fucking Seamus is doing some shady heel shit and keeps calling Mark Henry Lumpy. <laughs> in every promo he's like oh this is what Lumpy did.
0: Lumpy Henry. I think he works at the yeah. local gas station here in town.
1: Yeah he just keeps calling him Lumpy. That's kind of funny. And what I took from this show, so like not even so far, I'll, I'll go ahead, is um, Seamus, The Shield, Fandango, they're all super over. Like, when these guys come out, the fucking place goes banana. And now, when all these guys come out, nobody does anything.
0: Yeah, they're just sitting on their hands. Until, so we, get, what until the- we get to pass around a beach ball or have some stupid chant like, mach- not that Macho Man was bad, but have a chant like Macho Man while these guys are performing for us.
1: Yeah, so what the fuck is going on? And in the Strat match, and it's, an, it's a decent match, they have the, and this is not a thing I've ever been a fan of, they have the two light set up. Uh-huh. I don't like that. I don't like where it's like, oh, if this guy touches the turnbuckle, it's a green light. And if this guy touches the turnbuckle, it's a red light. I don't like that. It's kind of hokey. What it's, and what it says as a fan is, you think I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> that I can't remember if this guy touched the corner in or not. Yeah, it's not
0: like, like the like, show was going on in West Virginia, or right?
1: Yeah, I'm watching it on my recliner. Don't insult my intelligence. This match ends um, with Sheamus winning after he's touched some corners and um, ends up out of a World's Strongest Samoan drop hitting a bro kick. And then he he tops the last corner, and he wins. It's two and a half stars. A decent rating. It's actually a pretty good match. The next match on the card is Alberto Del Rio versus Jack Swagger in an I quit match. And it's, um, I'll just read the notes as I have it. Dutchman be working for the WWE, and he should be working for the WWE as creative, and he should also be writing promos. Great, a great promo. And I think Dutch Mantel is a underrated human being in the fact of creating stories and just being a personality.
0: He was a uh, he was always a, he's always been a decent Booker and what that guy's really good at almost like um, like Heyman is when Dutchman tells a Booker he's good at finding people's weaknesses and just getting that shit out of there and accentuating their strengths.
1: I agree. and then the next thing I took from this match is that Alberto Del Del Rio sucks as a babyface.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's nothing babyface about Alberto Del Rio.
1: Just terrible as a babyface.
0: Like, just staying on the Hispanic wrestler kick for a second, to me, using Alberto Del Rio... As a face was always the equivalent to if you would have tried to use Tito Santana as a heel. I don't think Tito Santana could have ever been a heel. He couldn't have been an effective heel, in my opinion.
1: I agree. It's like when WCW tried to turn Ray quasi heel. It's like people don't want to boo that guy. Right. Unless
0: he comes out uh, in place of Daniel Bryan at the Royal Rumble. <laughs>
1: They Vince, were just booing the situation. I know. I was just joking.
0: Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon figured out how to turn Rey Mysterio heel. Oh, and and when he wrestled he when he wrestled Sabu at ECW One Night Stand, they booed him there too. That was the situation
1: too. So Alberto Del Rio, butt as a face, butt
2: face.
1: You've heard of a baby face. Alberto Del Rio was a butt face. And then also as I'm watching this show, I realized something that even though he had a couple funny comments in his time, JBL, is as a character and a wrestler, fucking horrible commentator. Fucking horrible. Think so? I know so.
0: See, I didn't mind JBL as a color man.
1: Fucking horrible. Now. And JBL would never want to be a colored man, I'm just saying.
0: Alright, I guess I'll say this. I think <laughs> that JBL was a good color commentator before. Before this era of wrestling. If what I'm saying makes sense. Like, just like Jerry Lawler was a great heel color commentator before this era of wrestling before it was fed lines and fake laughs and talk get get talk about the twitter and and you know what i mean I think if you go back and you watch say wrestlemania 25 and you watch the money in the bank ladder match at wrestlemania 25 JBLs fantastic as a color commentator in that match but you come into the modern era where i mean Example, Corey Graves. Corey Graves has the ability to be a fantastic color commentator. But quite frankly, on Raw and SmackDown, he sucks. Because, I mean, I don't know how many times... What was it last night at Extreme Rules? There was something he kept saying over and over and over again. I was like, would you shut the fuck up? And I know it's because he's being told to say it. Um, oh, how many times? That's what it is. How many times do I have to hear Corey Graves say "Mela is money" before I can burn the fucking arena down? Oh, I agree. Oh, shut! It's like shut the and I, again. I know it's not him, but it's like shut the fuck up. <laughs> anyway, sorry, diatribe.
1: I don't even know what that meant. <laughs> anyway this match ends when um, well it's supposed to end when um, Dutch Mantel goes over and pushes Ricardo Rez as as um, Alberto is trapped in a ankle lock by Jack Swagger and the referee's not looking directly at Dutch Mantel yes mm-hmm. i mean Dutch Mantel pushes Ricardo grabs Ricardo's towel and throws it in and calls for the submission because because of the towel and then another referee comes out and goes no alberto never gave up it was Dutch Mantella threw the towel in and then Mike Chioda does something that a referee has never done in the history of anything and goes outside and asks Mark Eaton to show him on a like little flat screen TV the outcome of the match.
2: Hmm.
1: So Mark Eaton shows him that it was Dutchman until, in fact, they threw in the towel. So then Mark Kyoto or Mark Kiota, Mike Kyoto wins the match, and then Alberto traps Jack Swagger in an armbar, and Jack Swagger says, I quit.
0: So Alberto Del Rio won that match because of Mark Eaton's
1: Instagram. Basically. <laughs> and... JBL even states the fact of what the fuck we've never used a replay in the history of the WWE. Hmm. Anyway, I thought the Mike Kyoto going out and watching me was kind of. But it was a decent match. I'd give it like two stars. And then the next match is Team Hell No versus the Shield for the tag team titles in the Texas Tornado match. It had good action and the Shield over Team Hell No with a modified Doom Days device. And um, honestly, the biggest thing I got from this match, and it was was the fact that um, Glenn Jacobs' staying power fucking ridiculous. like this guy is in a 2013 match at Extreme Rules he was just on a 2018 match at Extreme Rules that I just watched and I was just the other day watching him on like a
2: 1998
1: Raw yeah and then Mm -hmm. if you go up Beyond past that, you go back and you say, "This guy was on the 1990 Survivor Series." It's fucking ridiculous. Oh yeah,
0: I was about to say you could go back and say that guy was on the in one of the semi-main events of SummerSlam '95.
1: Yeah, uh, and and he is consistent. Like he's been super consistent, and the size that he is, and the age that he is, and everything he has and it's gonna sound silly when I say it but he has no right being as good as he is right it's fucking the guy's a fucking freak and he walked out on a fucking show in 2018 and I know he didn't do a lot of phenomenal things but a guy at his age walked out in a fucking aircast which is match right Glenn Jacobs is the fucking man.
0: Behold the cane. The cane of canes. <laughs>
1: yeah. it's the fucking...
0: On your knees, dog.
1: <laughs> Anything else on Glenn Jacobs? Nope. Alright, The Shield won that match. They won the tag team title, so now The Shield has all the titles... Well, not all the titles, but they have the United States and the tag team titles. So the Shield has accomplished their goal of being champs. And then the next match, I'm going to gloss over it. It's Randy Orton versus the Big Show in the Extreme Rules match. And it's really not very good. And Orton wins with a punt kick on um, Big Show. And it's very boring. And I get one star. And it also goes to show why the Extreme Rules pay-per-view shouldn't exist anymore because nothing's extreme. Mm-hmm. And then we go into John Cena versus Ryback in the Last Man Standing match. And this match is also pretty boring. Yeah, and I at the end... Say, when, huh? you said,
0: when you said Cena and Ryback in a Last Man Standing match earlier, I was like, oh, I bet that's rough. And that's not so much
1: Cena but Ryback. It's both of them. This match is terrible. Um, the end of this match comes when Ryback um, spears John Cena through the LED lighting set. And the match ends in a draw mm-hmm. because neither man can answer the 10 count and... The fans know it's about to come. Like, they see the spot, mm-hmm. and they pop for it because there's a little bit of an explosion. But they see that, like, they know before the announcement <laughs> even comes this yeah. is going to be a draw. And... They are booing. Yeah, they're booing. <laughs> and honestly, other than then maybe two or three times, has WWF or WWE ever done anything different than... Than a fucking draw with a last man standing match, ever. You know what? They
0: not. That since... is their
1: to go. That is their go to finish for a fucking last man last man standing matches. Okay. Neither one of these guys are going to get up.
0: I will agree with you. Post two thousand and four, like. Before 2004, if you watch, like, during, like, the the Attitude Era and the post, the the original post-Attitude Era, they usually always had a winner. Even if it was, like, some kind of shitty, stupid thing, like a schmoz thing or something, where somebody wound up getting knocked out when it wasn't even by their opponent, they always had a winner. But then Shawn Michaels and Triple H had theirs at the Royal Rumble 04, which was a fantastic match, and that match having a draw made perfect sense, and it was good. Then, after that, yes, you're right. Every Last Man Standing match has had, like, I mean, you know, other than what, I mean, probably the best really, the last really good Last Man Standing match. like
1: Even, was, even Rock and fucking Foley got drug out. The
0: last really good Last Man Standing match was seen in Umaga. Yeah.
1: This one sucked. It was one star. And then we get Brock Lesnar versus Triple H in a steel cage match. And after I talk about this match, I'm going to pee. But Brock Lesnar comes out. And as he's coming out, Triple H attacks him. And Brock Lesnar bends off because he's scared. Because the only person that
0: can scare Brock Lesnar is Triple H. Triple H, yeah.
1: <laughs> of course. Yeah. And then we go through this cage match, and it's a WWE cage match, so guess what? There's no blood. So, cage plus no blood equals stupid. And these guys bang off the cage a couple times, and neither one of them bleed. And then Paul Heyman winds up in the cage, and he eats a pedigree. And then I'm assuming he eats a whole pizza (laughs) and a box of Texas toast. And then an entire peanut butter pie.
0: <laughs> and washes it down with matzo ball soup.
1: <laughs> yes. And a milkshake. And then he comes back and hits a low blow on Triple H. And then Brock Lesnar hits an F5 for the victory. And I'd probably give this match two stars. It was horrible. And that's it. That's how we go off the air with Brock Lesnar celebrating with the Paul Rus. And I would give this entire show two and a half stars. It's fucking horrible.
0: Extreme Rules 2013. Fucking sucked. So when we return, we're going to head over to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And uh, when we return, I will review WCW Slamboree 1996.
1: It has to be better than this mud butt (laughs) show I've watched.
0: (laughs) We'll be back with more of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Fans, Welcome back to the We Can't Wrestle podcast, Nate and Aaron here with you, and we're doing pay-per-view reviews on this week's show, and um, I was lucky enough, or unlucky enough, however you want to call it, to review WCW's Slamboree 1996. This show takes place on May 19th, 1996 in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Our Our attendance is 7,791. This is this is WCW right before the NWO.
1: NW- is this a um, Lethal Lottery pay-per-view?
0: Yes, it is, and it's the worst iteration of the Lethal Lottery ever. I'm actually a big fan of the Lethal Lottery gimmick.
1: As long as it's not like, seems like it's super rigged.
0: And the matches aren't garbage, which on this pay-per-view, the majority of them are. Regardless of the performers, they are garbage. Now, I'm glad I didn't watch, and I know you said you watched the pre-show match of your pay-per-view. I I didn't watch the pre-show match of mine. I'm looking on Wikipedia now, and apparently the pre-show match was the American Males defeating the Shark and Max. So I'm sure
1: that was terrible. That was a (laughs) hot dog covered in mud. (laughs)
0: And now uh, the, the, the main theme of the, we, our commentators are Tony Schiavone, Bobby Heenan, and Dusty Rhodes, which is always fun, Heenan and Rhodes. I will have some fun moments about that later. Schiavone's good in there, too. Probably the highlight of the show, Bobby Heenan and Dusty Rhodes.
1: I like Tony Schiavone.
0: It's the greatest match in the history of
1: professional wrestling. He was told to say that shit. Tony Schiavone is a good commentator. He's not terrible.
0: So the lethal, the point of the lethal lottery, and before this pay per view, the matches were already determined on a drawing on Nitro. Um, but the point of this is, we're going to have these lethal lottery matches in the, the <coughs> end of, this, of this tournament. It's going to be a tournament are going to advance to a lethal lottery battle royal at the end of the show to clou- to crown the Lord of
1: the Ring. You were better with saying clown.
0: <laughs> the Lord of the Ring. So our first match, of course, the Road Warriors have been broken My up. precious! <laughs> the Road Warriors have been broken up in this match. As Animal for the Road Warriors is going to team with Booker T., to face Road Warrior Hawk and Lex Luger. Ugh. Yeah, this match is bad. There's a big schmazz at the end of it, essentially where Luger is beating... Himself? Luger's Luger's beating up Hawk, or Animal... Wait, Luger's beating up Animal, and Hawk gets involved to help Animal... And then Booker's kind of in the middle of everything, and both. Teams is this is this
1: when they're wearing blue? Yes. The Road Warriors were in blue. Yes, that seemed weird.
0: And this uh, this match is awful, especially it, it's you know considering three of the performers in the match. The match is awful, and both teams are eliminated from the tournament. So our next match. The public enemy got to draw each other in the drawing, so the public enemy are going to face, of course, two guys that hate each other: Chris Benoit and the Taskmaster, Kevin Sullivan. And actually, the the finish of this match is almost kind of humorous because um, the public Bill in- Demont
1: was in this match. What? I I, I heard you say humorous. I thought Bill DeMont was in the match.
0: (laughs) The public enemy put Chris Benoit on the table to do the drive-by. And actually, Kevin Sullivan holds Benoit on the table so they can do it. (laughs) (laughs) Because he's a little bastard. And um, the public enemy win and advance in the tournament. So, of course, now, because the Road Warriors were separated, the Steiner brothers were also separated in the tournament. In our next match, check this one out. You have Craig the Pitbull Pitman teaming with Scott Steiner. Oh, my God. To take on Rick Steiner and the Booty Man, as we all know is Brutus Beefcake. Jesus Drake. fucking <laughs> Christ. This match is terrible. The only good thing about the match is that, well... <laughs> When Rick Steiner's coming to the ring, Bobby Heenan says to Dusty Rhodes, Hey, Dusty, you see that mustache on Rick Steiner? And Dusty goes, Yeah, I see the mustache. And Bobby Heenan goes, He's had that mustache since he was a year and a half old.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That joke makes no sense. It's funny as fuck, but that joke <laughs> makes no sense. He said a mustache he was a year and a half old.
0: <laughs> it makes no
1: sense. Oh, shit. <laughs> but anyway. Does Dusty laugh at it?
0: No, of course, Dusty and Tony know shit no I, I,
1: I know that that joke's funny, but it makes no sense. <laughs> but I love a joke that makes no sense.
2: Ah. <sighs>
0: So at the end of this match, Rick Steiner uh, hits a German suplex on the Booty Man. <laughs> or I'm sorry, Rick Steiner hits a German su- Rick Steiner hits a German suplex on Pittman, and Rick Steiner and the Booty Man advance in the tournament.
1: <laughs> now here's the Did, team. Do you know how ridiculous of a name? The Booty Man is. <laughs> Unless you're watching it on Pornhub, that should not be a name. <laughs> but go ahead. Oh. I almost feel better for that I had to watch pay-per-view.
0: Our next match is in the Lethal Lottery tournament is the Random Team... Of Jim Duggan and VK Wall Street, who is IRS, Microton, etc., etc., it's kind of a cool team versus the Blue Bloods, Lord Stephen Regal, and Squire David Taylor. You would think this match would be good, and it's not. It's actually pretty bad. The best thing about it is the running gimmick that I always loved about how Dusty Rhodes called. Jeeves Chives Chives Look at him over there with Chives
1: It's smacking around Chives And Chives was Wildcat Willie by the way baby
0: During the match Jim Duggan hits Chives And Chives has that you know that English powdered wig and Dusty the sour cream Ro-
1: bus, Dusty like Ro- dust, blows out.
0: Yeah, Dusty Rhodes says something about the dust coming off the English wig. And Bobby Heenan says something about it being... <laughs> will it fly off his head or whatever? And then... Uh, Dusty Rhodes says... <laughs> Dusty Rhodes says, Oh! Oh! Lordy! It is just cracked chives. And Bobby Heenan says, well, you need talcum powder to get rid of that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and Tony Schiavone like, like, that's chafe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, <laughs> you need talcum powder to get rid of that. Then we have a actually a, actually this match is actually really good. I didn't think it was going to be. I really didn't, but it was actually good. You have Alex Wright in the Disco Inferno.
1: I was just going to ask, no lie. No lie. I was thinking about what you were talking about in this time frame. I was going to ask if Alex Wright was in this match. Because Alex Wright had a shitty gimmick, but that dude was fucking really good, he in was. my opinion.
0: He was. Well, it's Alex Wright and the Disco Inferno against Dick Dick Slater and Earl Robert Eaton, which is Bobby Eaton. Dick Slater and Earl Eaton have a really good match with Alex Wright and Disco Inferno. Um, Which I'm glad
1: that they said the name the way you said it.
0: Earl Robert of Eaton.
1: Yeah, because if they were like Earl Robert of Eaton Dick, <laughs> probably wouldn't have been the best way to go. Yeah, probably not. Team Eating Dick.
0: Well, Disco Inferno is <laughs> getting his boogie. Disco Inferno is getting this boogie on in the ring, um, and the referee's distracted. So Dick Slater, the hits other him, team's eatin Dick, hits him with his boot. <laughs> With his cowboy boot and Disco Inferno gets pinned and loses the match. So, Slater and Eaton advance.
1: So, Team Eaton Dick won.
0: Team Eaton Dick won the match. (laughs) (laughs) That's so
1: childish. I'm sorry. (laughs) Eaton Dick.
0: (laughs) The next match we have The Barbarian. Teaming with Who's Diamond-
1: a sleeper cell for me. I love the Barbarian.
0: Teaming with Diamond Dallas Page. Oh, I
1: hate Diamond Dallas Page.
0: And it's chubby, big-haired Diamond Dallas Page. When he was oh. doing the Benefactor gimmick. Against Meng and Hugh Morris. <clears throat> so there's, there's a double pin in this match. Where Barbarian is pinning Morris and... Meng is pinning DDP, but DDP gets his foot on the rope. So Who has the bigger afro? <laughs> what?
1: Who has the bigger afro?
0: DDP or Meng? Yeah. Meng doesn't have his afro at this point. He's still got kind of like the slick back little Samoan mullet.
1: Oh, good for him.
0: Um, so DDP and Barbarian win this match. And now our next match is, um, you know, going back to what we talked about earlier. I guess a little bit. Uh, a guy I, ne- I I don't understand why he never made it to the WWE and wasn't a bigger deal. I guess I would say Scott Norton, teaming. We we'll talked about that a long time ago. Teaming with Ice Train, as of course they were fire and ice. And they're facing Stevie Ray and one of the greatest big men of all time, Big Bubba Rogers, who at this time looked homeless. <laughs> like, Big Bubba Rogers looked like he smelled bad <laughs> at this time. This is when he had, like, that weird goatee that went halfway around
1: his face or whatever. And Anyway. So it's Ahmed Johnson and...
0: It's Stevie Ray it's Stevie Ray and Big Bubba Rogers against Scott Norton and Ice Train
1: Well, Ice Train and Ahmed Johnson are the same person Ice
0: Basically, Train is, Ice Train is also one of those guys who whenever he enters the ring no matter how big the arena is he acts like an independent wrestler like Brutus Beefcake where they walk down the ring and they're not looking at anybody but they're going yeah baby yeah yeah baby yeah yeah, gonna win, baby. Yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you can say
1: that about Jim Neidhart, too, though.
0: Yeah, baby. <laughs> so the next and last match of the first round... Who won that one? Oh, that was uh, Scott Norton and Ice Train. Okay. Um, so the next and last match in the first round is... Eddie Guerrero, listen to the participants in this match. You have Eddie Guerrero and Arn Anderson as a team? Teaming up together. That's an amazing team. To take on, of course, they had to draw each other in the lethal lottery, right? Ric Flair and Randy Savage, who at this time were feuding. What the fuck? <laughs>
1: this match will give you a bulge.
0: So <laughs> Anderson attacks Savage when he gets in the ring. And Flair, of course, because Anders- or because Flair and Savage are having such a heated rivalry, atta- helps Anderson attack <laughs> Randy Savage, who is his tag team partner. And then they, they have th- pretty much the match turns on or turns into, for a while, it turns into Flair versus Guerrero. It's not very long, but the wrestling in the match. And then Anderson, of course, turns on Guerrero with a DDT, allowing Flair to pin him. And that's that for this part. Flair and Anderson kind of go to the back. Eddie Guerrero's disappointed. Um... Then for some, it's funny because they come up with this thing because the beginning match was um, <coughs> it was thrown out, the one with the Road Warriors in it. So they say, well, we're going to have a random drawing. And they have this random drawing because throughout the night we get to watch Mean Gene Okerlund be creepy and hit on four Hooters girls. <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, why not?
0: <laughs> why not? So he's doing the drawings and stuff with the Hooters girls. So um Fire and Ice get to advance to the battle royal.
1: I mean they gotta take their own dicks out.
0: <laughs> so then we go to the commentators. Uh doing like a table shot. And Dusty Rhodes is wearing this he's wearing like a black jacket and red leather pleather pants. And he's wearing a pleather red jacket. Okay, I have to set this scene for you. He's wearing these pleather pants and this red pleather jacket. And they're talking... They're trying to, like, analyze the tournament or whatever. This garbage that's going on, okay? And Dusty says something. And Ric Flair says... Or Ric Flair. Bobby Heenan says something. And they're going back and forth. And then Tony's like, Bobby... Dusty's analyzation sounds good to me and Bobby Heenan goes and I quote Yeah 'cause that's what's cause you're willing to take advice from a guy dressed as a recliner <laughs> 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 Oh fuck me. So funny <laughs> You know, it's actually funnier if you're looking at Dusty when he says it. You know what I mean? Like, you're like, oh, he does look like a recliner.
1: (laughs) Bobby's on point, man. He's the funniest guy to ever live.
0: (laughs) So now we go to... Get your shoe, dummy. A match which is actually a really good match but has absolutely no heat with the crowd. I actually give this match like three and a quarter to four stars. If I'm doing a star, if it was in the Tokyo Dome, it would be 26 stars. But anyway, um, Dean Malenko is defending the Cruiserweight Championship against Brad Armstrong. I love match,
1: Brad Armstrong.
0: The match is really good. The crowd gives it no love, though. Um, no heat for these guys from the crowd in Baton Rouge. Um, and then we get a promo... For what was going to be the next big fad, the next big trend in professional wrestling, folks. And it was not the NWO. Blood Runs Cold? Blood Runs Cold. That was Eric Bischoff's idea before the NWO for the next big big thing in wrestling. Glacier, Mortis, Wrath, all that garbage was going to be the next big thing.
1: But in defense, Vince was thinking like Kevin Nash, is Diesel, and John Pierre Lafitte, and fucking Doctor Isaac Gankum. Dds, that's right, Hunter. <laughs> so I mean, people can dog that, but do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah.
0: If it there's...
1: wasn't so great on the other end of the aisle.
0: No. However, right around this time, what, the same the same month? No, the next month. The next month in WWF, we would have Austin 316. So things were going to start changing there, too.
1: But they also didn't think that was going to be the thing that set it off.
0: Right. So next up on the show, we have our I'm next-
1: I'm just saying, people think they... Like Vince McMahon was a genius because of the fucking Austin three sixteen thing. That was a throwaway fucking line. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't a marketing genius thing. Vince really thought that the fucking Yeah, I'm sorry.
0: Well, no, it, you're right. Off. Like it's it's like today. Like I thought about this the other day. That somebody I don't remember what podcast I was listening to or whatever. They were talking about Austin three sixteen and how it wasn't supposed to be. You know, it wasn't going to be a big deal. And they were, and then they noticed that there were all the three sixteen signs. And they noticed how over Austin was. and They rolled with it, and things were organic. Can you imagine
1: if it's it would have been like fuck it, we're still going with John La- Pierre Lafitte. Well,
0: that or on the flip side, what I was thinking about was could you imagine
1: how different things could be if Mark Murrow would have won that thing?
0: Well, I'm talking about today, though. Can you imagine how different things could be, first of all, if they just would have initially accepted Daniel Bryan or went with Daniel Bryan? And tried to resist the fans because, first of all, Daniel Bryan would still be huge. And you could have gotten Roman Reigns over organically, and people would love him because he's really good. Secondly, how much success or how different could it be to have this amazing talent, Dolph Ziggler, if you just would have booked him right after he won Money in the Bank? Yeah, and after he cashed in that money in the bank, and you just sort of roll with that shit, because you know what I mean. It's just like these organic moments that are so awesome. And now they today nowadays they just ignore that. They just ignore it. We're just gonna keep telling our story no matter what the crowd
1: reacts to. Anyway, yeah. and I and I say that on the flip side, like we're talking about current product. Look at nineteen ninety five when Vince McMahon started hiring people, I mean, Jim Ross was telling them who to hire or whatever, but Vince was the decision maker. Yeah. In 1995, if you go back and you listen to, like, comments about what Jim Ross says or... Bruce Pritchard says, or whoever. In 1995, when Jim Ross hired Mark Merrow, and he hired Steve Austin, if you listen to all the comments, who was Vince McMahon higher on? Mark Merrow. Okay. So now you go into King of the Ring 1996, Think of how much or think of where the wrestling landscape would be now if Mark Merrow would have been the guy that won the King of the Rand nineteen (laughs) ninety six. Yeah.
0: The wild king It would
1: it it would have been Mud Butt. (laughs) (laughs) Like would you want to see Mark Merrow versus Vince McMahon? No. The wild. I don't know what got me off on this tangent, but I was just saying that.
0: And you're right. All right, so the next match on this pay-per-view outing, this wonderful pay-per-view outing, is the first match of the second round of this Battle
1: Bowl tournament. And, and I'm the, sorry I went off on a weird Austin oh, arrow, arrow tangent.
0: I started it. <laughs> but uh, we had um, Dick Slater and Earl Robert Eaton defeating VK Wall Street and Jim Duggan. And uh, Earl Robert Eaton beat Duggan. And then. Uh, Man,
1: there's just Eaton Dick through the whole Walt- fucking tournament.
0: Wall Street and Duggan began to argue after the match, setting up what would be one of the greatest feuds in WCW history, right? <laughs> So Public Enemy and versus Randy Savage and Rick Flair never actually happens. Um Which you shouldn't have. Because Savage attacked Flair during Flair's entrance um to beat him up. So Public Enemy pretty much wins by forfeit on that one. And
1: Oh my god, this pay per view is horrible.
0: It really is. And then uh, we have Rick Steiner and the Booty Man versus Diamond, Dallas Page, and the Barbarian. And uh, Barbarian pinned the Booty Man to win that match. So listen to this. In the finals, the Battle Bowl, Battle Royal, which in early days of WC, this is when you could tell WCW, like WCW is pretty much like we're this is the last Battle Bowl ever. <laughs> Here's your battle royal for later on, folks. Eatin' Dick. You got Scott Norton, Ice Train, Dick Slater. Say it right. Eaton Dick. <laughs> <laughs> so that's Dick Slater and Bobby Eaton, <laughs> The Public Enemy, Diamond Dallas Page, and The Barbarian. Oh my god. That's the battle royal. But before we get to the battle royal... We actually have um, a match I thought was actually going to be good. Like when I saw the match was coming up, I was like, oh, this should be a pretty good match. And it was actually kind of butt. And I was really surprised. It's Conan defending the United States title against Jushin Thunder Liger. And Jushin Liger has uh, Sonny Ono with him as his manager. And this shows you... Kind of how bad Conan is because if you can't have a ma- good match, not having a good match with Jushin Liger is like not having a good match with Ricky Steamboat. You know what I mean?
1: <laughs> yeah, or Shawn Michaels. Or yeah,
0: like like Bret Hart. Like, damn, he couldn't even he couldn't even get a good match out of you. Um, but Conan defeats Liger in this match, kind of out of nowhere. Um, there's not really a build up to the finish or anything. Conan hits a splash mountain and pins Liger. See. Conan,
1: I think, like, how do I want to say it? When he was in Mexico, he was surrounded by a bunch of super athletes. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And then when he came here, he, like, you can't deny that Conan is not an entertaining motherfucker. Oh, yeah. Like, as far as... as far like, as, like talking-wise, or whatever, he's yeah, great.
0: Promo, promo skills and everything. Conan's great. He's funny
1: as fuck. And, yeah, and when he was in Mexico, mm-hmm. he was surrounded by fucking talented human beings. Like Eddie Guerrero, Rey Mysterio, fucking La Parca, Vampiro, and Yeah, laugh at Vampiro, but Vampiro was a... He's like the flip side of Conan. Like, I don't enjoy Vampiro's promos, but in the ring, the dude was really good. Like, Conan in Mexico had talented in-ring people around him, and I understand that now, watching back and watching things that I didn't see... But when I was a kid, you know, in, like, 1998, when that guy would like bow down and peel my potato, I was like, <laughs> yeah, peel my potato, bitch. You know, that type of thing. That dude was entertaining as a character when he came to the United States.
0: Yeah. No doubt.
1: Poopy wrestler, though. Yeah. So, but layer. fucking man of the ring well, and I could understand yeah. why he would have a shitty match with Conan I haven't seen that match but I could understand it
0: bell to bell Jushin Liger one of the best wrestlers of all time to this day <laughs> you know yeah. he's still, and it, he did the perfect thing where he got that gimmick where he doesn't have to fucking it doesn't matter
1: how old he gets yeah his entire body's covered his face is covered yeah
0: fuck it <laughs> <laughs> his character could be like Tiger Mask. You could have more than one Jushin Thunder Liger. You know what I mean? No, you can't. Well, you know what I mean, though. What? What? The 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 spirit of what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, I understand that. But if his like hair starts to gray, he could just put on a big fucking
0: like psychosis did
1: just black haired mask
0: and be like, hey.
1: So and now, you we, like a nigga? now we after
0: this. after all the mess he had with Randy Savage earlier in the night, Ric Flair's out for a interview with Mean. By God, Gene, and uh, he's talking shit about Steve Mongo McMichael. And uh, Arnie, is he hitting on his big titted wife? No, she wasn't involved yet. But uh, she's a gonna be. Michael McMichael uh, comes out, and Flair and Anderson are talking. It's funny because. Um, flair the previous nitro apparently flair had kind of run away from steve mcmichael but he's not running he, t- he even flat out tells him i'm not running for me tonight because i got the enforcer right behind me
1: <laughs> but anyway i got this, I got this big build bear behind me <laughs> we're gonna do this so
0: then we get uh, of course kevin green comes out of nowhere so now we're setting up Flair and uh, Anderson versus McMichael and Green for the next pay per view, which is going to turn into see McMichael joining the Horsemen. But that segment, yeah, happens.
1: and then the, uh, that was kind of weird because Flair kept hitting on Deborah before it. Yeah.
0: Well, she wasn't so. out. I guess I will say she wasn't out during this show. So I, I mean, I don't know. Well, I, know,
1: I I know the nitros go on and then Mongo joins because she shows in the briefcase of money and I'm I'm just hoping that like the horsemen weren't like co holding each other.
0: <laughs>
1: that would have been weird. <laughs> so, so
0: so after this we have the the <laughs> extremely underwhelming Lord of the Ring battle royal. Which is almost as underwhelming as the end of Lord of the Rings.
1: <laughs> but anyway. But um, in this Battle royal's ending, there's not seven <laughs> endings to it.
0: So um, the Battle royal pretty much works this way. every You work elimination over the top rope to the floor until the last two men are in the ring. And then you can have over the top rope to the floor...
1: Or pinfall. Sam cries. Or submission. Sam. Samwise the Great wins, right?
0: And we come down to the Diamond Dallas, the Diamond Dallas Page, <laughs> the Barbarian, and Diamond Dallas Page. Barbarian hits or tries to hit a top rope headbutt. He misses. DDP hits the D, the Diamond Cutter off of that and wins the Lord of the Ring Battle Royal. By pinning the barbarian.
1: And we all rename it the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm glad it's over.
0: No, it's not over. Battle Royal. We have one more match, and it's the WCW title match, and it's not good. It's not good, folks. It is Sting versus the Giant. Giants defending the WCW title. There is I can't even describe to you how horrible the finish of this match is. You have to everybody has to go on YouTube or the network or something and watch the finish of this. You got Lex Luger who we're still teasing, is Luger good or bad? After how many months? Is Luger Sting's friend or Sting's enemy after how many months? We've been
1: teaming we've been teasing that since eighty nine.
0: Luger and Jimmy Hart are on the apron arguing over the megaphone. And then, like, I don't know who botched what or how it got fucked up or whatever, but they do this stupid thing where Luger and Hart are arguing over the megaphone and Luger quote-unquote accidentally hits Sting with the megaphone. But it they they say it was accidental or whatever, but it looks intentional. Like, it looks intentional to the point where it didn't even look like an accident. You know, like he wasn't even being a good heel. <laughs> By making it look like an accident. And then the, uh, the giant pin sting and retains the title. But it's a terrible finish to a not-so-good pay-per-view. And all I can say about the quality of this pay-per-view is thank God the NWO caught on after this pay-per-view. Because this is, if this was the direction of WCW until the NWO caught on, it was hot garbage. It was bad. two stars for Slambery, 96
1: it sounded pretty terrible
0: so there it is pay per view reviews for this week's show and uh, next week's show is going to be a top 10 edition and um, hopefully Kyle will be back with us hopefully he's out of the infirmary or whatever Please donate. <laughs> what is that? Fun- GoFundMe or whatever?
1: Yeah, the GoFuckMe fund. <laughs> is that what it is? GoFuckMe go or fun- GoFundMe. GoFundMe. Yeah,
0: go me. <laughs> go me probably exists too. <laughs> you can only get that in Europe though. <laughs> They're a little more free-spirited
1: over there. Yeah, I just hope We're hoping that Kyle's AIDS, (laughs) like, go away. I don't know if AIDS does that.
0: (laughs) Not yet. Well, it has for Magic Johnson, but he's also got a lot of money.
1: He's only got HIV.
0: But my point is, does he...
1: don't have AIDS. He's fat as fuck.
0: Have you ever seen him?
1: What? He's chubby. Johnson? Yeah. Chubby Johnson. <laughs> Magic <laughs> no. Johnson's chubby as fuck.
0: What I'm saying is Magic Johnson has a lot of money, so there's probably a so, cure for
1: AIDS or HIV. So, no, he has HIV.
0: Well, there's probably a cure for it, though, or there's probably a, a, a He's medicine. just containing it. There's probably a medicine that makes it super good for you. <laughs> it makes the HIV... Super good for you. And well, he can I don't, afford I
1: don't it. think it's super good for you. I just think that he can pay for the medicine and not turn it into AIDS.
0: So there's something that drives me crazy. So we we probably have medicines. Obviously actually no not probably. Obviously Magic Johnson is proof since he's had HIV since before I graduated high school. <laughs> We have he's, he's
1: had HIV since that video we had to watch where him and Arsenio Hall were telling us it doesn't matter if you poop on the same toilet as somebody that has HIV.
0: Right. So what my point is, I'm sure there, there are medicines out there that are very expensive that are keeping Magic Johnson from getting full-blown AIDS and dying, right? Yeah. Okay. So my next question is this: Why in the fuck am I even hearing on my television that we need to spend money on people that come across our border illegally and making sure they get to be with their kids when we could be curing our own citizens of HIV through the government if they just buy these drugs for people?
1: I don't know. All right, uh, weird. What? I said, well, this just went crazy. We were talking about fucking, I don't know.
0: <laughs> Alright, that's another show.
2: Yeah. We I can have my, that my, I show. I guess my,
0: my point at the end of it, before we move on... Before I get off the soapboxes. Our government has all this money for shit. For people that aren't citizens here. But they don't have money for the to solve the problem in Chicago. Or help homeless children in America. or And then I'm supposed to feel bad for people that jump the fucking border. But anyway. besides, I don't point, feel
1: bad for those people.
0: No I said I'm supposed to. Because you know I'm an asshole if I don't. But anyways. No you're not. Besides the point. Next week, we're going to do a top ten on the show. And it's going to be top ten rivalries. And this is covering all of professional wrestling history that we're aware of. So this should be fun. Um, top ten personal favorite rivalries in wrestling history. And I will I will visit the medical center or whatever that Kyle's in. What the <laughs> fuck was that noise? Well, it's about to be tut tut tootsie.
1: Say, I restrain myself and play no music.
0: But I I will let Kyle know that that's going to be our next top 10. And Aaron, do you have anything else to say <laughs> to the wrestling fans before we sign off?
1: No. I want to hear tut tut tootsie. Alright. Listen, play tut tut tootsie three chorus, you understand?
2: And the third chorus. I whistle. Now give it to him hard and heavy.
1: Go right ahead. It whistles in the third chorus. He
0: says, give it to him hard and heavy. I'm going to turn it up.
2: <laughs> goodbye.
0: goodbye. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us on the We Can't Wrestle podcast. From
1: you, you don't know just how and from Aaron, Nate and, and out, out. the original Tootsie of this shh. podcast. Watch for the mail. I'll never fail. No I'm in jail Thank you for joining us
0: And we will see you next week With our top 10 favorite Wrestling rivalries Say goodbye Aaron That's hot as said. Get hot Get hot
1: No, i in jail.
0: Get hot. <laughs> Goodbye, Get Goodbye. Hot. Huh? Goodbye, I
1: love out. watching him boogie on the video. Oh, it's great. Glad day me. Away from you. You don't know just how sad it makes me. Kiss me pretty and damn hey!
0: Goodbye, listeners.
1: Do it over again. Watch for the mail. I'll never fail You don't get a don't know no, know I I I'm in jail. jail Don't cry today Don't cry ah. Goodbye I gotta find